Thank you, Virginia. Thank you, Megan. <clears throat> text for the sermon is from Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12. If you'd please, if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you, open your Bibles to Revelation 12. Many of you know this is... Uh, one of my favorite times in the entire year. I love the season of Christmas, not just because we're celebrating our Lord's birth. I love that, of course. That's the main point of Christmas. But I love that the whole earth celebrate, celebrates Christmas. There are people celebrating Christmas in China, in Japan, who aren't even Christians. This is a time when the, the entire globe is celebrating the birth of a Jewish baby born to a poor young couple from Nazareth. Little do they know that this baby was and is the fulcrum of the entire universe, of all of history. All time is measured by His birth. You haven't thought about that maybe. It's either before Christ or A.D. It's after our Lord, after the year of our Lord. Stephen Lawson writes, No other birth in the history of the world can compare with the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When He was born, He was an earthly Son of His heavenly Father and the heavenly Son of His earthly Mother. When He was born, He was as old as His Father in heaven and older than His mother on earth. When He was born, He was fully God and fully man, yet without sin the Son of God and Son of Man. This was designed by the Father in eternity past, was foretold by the prophets, was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, announced by angels, seen by the shepherds, proclaimed by the apostles to the ends of the earth. And still today, we proclaim that message, Jesus Christ has come. You might wonder why I chose the book of the Revelation as a text for a Christmas sermon. And it struck me as I was reading through the various passages, how the very first passage, we've done this three or four years now, the very first passage you remember is Genesis chapter 3. And what happens in Genesis 3? We see an invasion. We see an invasion of the garden by the enemy, by Satan. And all of the Scripture kind of works itself through my military mind, and I see battles everywhere. Our culture, it would seem, at least for the past 200 years or so, has lived in relative ease and prosperity and peace. And our Savior's birth, although maybe not as pristine um, as it is portrayed in culture, was actually a time of warfare. When you look at pictures, I don't look at pictures of Christ, but when I used to, you would see these cute, lovable little babies and wonderful, pristine little manger scenes. Everything seems so clean, so good, so wonderful. Let's not remember that He was born in a manger. And we may never know but that that was the first of many attacks by the enemy to give him no place. 
to be born. Our Messiah's birth is part of a greater spiritual battle. Our Messiah's birth was an act of war. He was invading His own property, His own land, in person. So John's book of the Revelation describes the birth of Jesus as a pivotal and climactic scene in this great spiritual battle. This is Revelation 12. I'll be reading the first 12 verses. Hear this word from God's Word. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains, in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to His throne. The woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and of the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Well, may God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Please pray with me. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You that You have given us another opportunity to study Your Word, to be instructed by You, to be encouraged by Your Scriptures. We thank You that You've revealed Yourself to us and even given us the smallest glimpse of the spiritual battle that indeed is ongoing even now. We pray that in Jesus' name you would open our eyes to these truths that we might be encouraged to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at these scriptures just for a few minutes. We see in Revelation 12, and Dr. Robert Godfrey, if you remember the study we went through in Revelation, did a wonderful job explaining this particular portion of the text. The, the woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. This first picture of the woman is supposed to remind you of Israel. It's supposed to remind you of the womb of, of Christ being the nation of Israel. And certainly, it should remind you of Mary, the, the exact person 
in the nation of Israel who gave birth to the Christ. But we're seeing this from a a heavenly perspective, if you will. Uh, The nation uh, had been designed and singled out by God for redemptive purposes. It was foretold by prophets for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that the Christ would come from the seed of Abraham. Indeed, the seed of the woman, all of God's people from Eve until the end of time, we know that the seed of the woman would be assaulted by the serpent. So we see that theme here in the book of the Revelation as well. This woman was clothed with the sun. This represents Israel and it represents the blessing of God. Mary, who would actually give birth to the child, we know also is represented here. We see that she is described, Israel is described, if you will, crying out with birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Israel had waited 400 years for the Messiah. Of course, they had no way of knowing that it would be 400 years and not much longer. But they were in the throes of agony once again as the Roman Empire had basically clamped down upon Israel, invaded the Holy Land. Satan seemed to be winning victories everywhere. The Jews, the people of God, seemed under complete oppression when the Messiah actually came. Remember, there were only a few people who even recognized Him. So blind were those children of Abraham. It was a time of crying out, of birth pains and agony. And then we see the dragon. Again, there's the contest. It's it's the woman, the seed of the woman, and it's the dragon, just like Genesis 3. The dragon is described. This is the serpent. This is the enemy. This is Satan. So again, this is, this is the part that, that I wanted to impart to you this evening. We look at the birth of Christ and just think of rejoicing. And yes, it is a, gr- a time of great and wonderful rejoicing. But our Lord came to do more than give us cause to rejoice. He came to do warfare. Isn't it interesting that all through the Scriptures you rarely read of demons? Until Matthew 1. And all of a sudden, demons start popping up everywhere. Why? Because they're wanting to do warfare against our Lord. And He showed dominance in every case. He's their Creator. So we have those who worship the Son of David, the King of Kings, opposed by a great dragon until He should come again. And all this is in the context of the birth of Christ. In verse 5 it says, She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to His throne. So we have the life of Christ in one verse. Certainly the, the vision is supposed to remind us that He is the King. The rod of iron, this is a, this is a reference to Psalm chapter 2. 
describing the coming of our Lord. Verse 7, The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Jesus was born for warfare. Yes, He came passively. His first coming was to suffer and to die. When He comes again, brothers and sisters, it will be as a conquering King. Although we see even in His work, His his incarnation and all of His work on the earth, even in his, His work of redemption, even in His humiliation, there's spiritual victory that's happening here. Even here as Satan is defeated on the cross. We see that the child the child was caught up to God and to His throne. The attack of Satan had failed. He had not been able to keep Jesus from the throne. Jesus went up to the throne. He was born to die, but then He was born to rise again and to rule. The attack of Satan had failed. Jesus rose from the dead and was taken up to the throne. Satan, the serpent, was unable to stop the work of the child. And in verse 6, we read that the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Again, the woman that represents the people of God, the seed of the woman, the church, still being pursued by the dragon, and yet God has prepared a place for the church. In other words, Satan will not be able to stop the church of God. He will not be able to wipe out the seed of the woman. We are nourished by God Himself. The woman includes all of us. It includes elect Jews and Gentiles in the church of God. Gentiles grafted into the spiritual family of Abraham. And God will care for them till the very end. But the dragon's furious and still does war on the church as much as he is allowed by the Father. Remember, the, the dragon, Satan, is actually on a leash. He can only do what God allows him to do. But in verse 17, we read that the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, the seed of the woman, And on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. The birth of Christ was only the very, uh, the very kind of pinnacle point of the turning of the tides and the turning of the war. The dragon's defeated, and now he remains furious and does war against the church. On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Christ. That's us, brothers and sisters. That's us. So the birth of the baby, this Jewish baby 2,000 years ago, I don't want you to think of it only as this cute story that we sing about and you see on television and in cartoons, the cute little nativity scenes that you see all over the world. The birth of the Messiah King Jesus ushered in the final phase of the war with the enemy. And we know we will win. We celebrate His birth. But when we do, we also should steel ourselves against the fury of the enemy because it's still raging today. 
In verse 11, we read that we have conquered by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Speaking of the church, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. I never want you to forget that Jesus was announced by the angel choir and that it was the host of heaven. These are angel, this is the angel army choir. The army of heaven announcing the birth of their king and their commander. The commander of the armies of the Lord was being born that day. So we should always worship Him as Savior. We should always worship Him as Messiah, holding Him high as prophet, priest, and king. We always should remember that that baby is our king and respond by worshiping this conquering king, this root and son of David, the bright and morning star. As Luke said, unto you is born this day in the city of David, Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, we, we thank You. We thank You that even though we don't understand every detail, even much of what we read in the book of the Revelation, we understand enough to know that there is war going on and that You have ordained to use us in our prayers, our godly lives, our keeping of the commandments and our holding to the testimony of Jesus to use these things for Your glory in this warfare. Lord, when Your Son came, You announced it with an angel choir, an army choir. And He came and He defeated the enemy. He defeated the serpent on the cross. Lord, maybe may we be faithful as well. May we turn our hearts always to heaven. Let us not be distracted during this time of celebration by something that is so profound and should be highly honored and revered, the birth of the Almighty God. Let us never make light of it in any way. Let us never think of it in any small way. Indeed, when Your Son came to the earth, it was a conquering coming to Your own creation. It was a coming of the King. He was hailed as King in prophecies. He was hailed as King by the Magi. He was hailed as King by the New Testament prophets. Even on the cross above His head, it said, King of the Jews. He was buried like a king. And He rose again and went to His throne. Lord, we long for the day when we will see Him again. Let us never forget that when Your Son came, He came into a battle and He won and was victorious. And that victory will be complete when He comes again. Lord, let us long for that day. Let us not celebrate the birth without remembering the redemption that He wrought on this earth. Let us always Think of the great work of Jesus Christ. We pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be powerful in our lives every day as well. Lord, you know there are so many in this world who have 
such great need. They don't have peace or prosperity. They don't have any of the the comforts that we enjoy here in this place. And yet they love you. We pray that you would comfort them, protect them, watch over them. They're your people. Lord, we pray for those in the persecuted churches all around the world that they would be sustained until such time as you would deliver them. Father in heaven, we pray for our country. Our country that is seemingly out of control by so many standards, and yet we know that you are in perfect control of every detail. Nothing happens apart from your will. You are using all of the wickedness of men to accomplish your glorious purposes. Let us trust you. Let us trust you as Zechariah trusted you for the Son of God to come and appear. Let us trust you as John the Baptist trusted you, hearing of the coming of the Messiah himself. Let us trust you to do your work in your good time. Lord, if darkness may increase, we pray that light would shine out of the darkness very soon. That you would protect your people from the dragon, from the serpent who would seek to devour. You would protect your church. Lord, for those here who have specific needs, who are suffering with health concerns, suffering with relational issues, suffering emotionally, suffering financially, Lord, we pray that you, the King of Kings, would comfort each wounded soul, that you would meet each need. Lord, we know that you hear all of our prayers. You capture all of our tears in a bottle. Lord, there is no need of ours that's so small that you don't embrace it as your own. You've made yourself our own shepherd. And no need is too small. We pray for our loved ones, wherever they might be in the world. We pray for those who are apart from us, that you would comfort and be with them this season. We pray for those who aren't yours, our loved ones who do not know you or who have strayed from you. Father in heaven, do your work. Holy Spirit, touch their souls, regenerate their hearts. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you be glorified this night, that you be honored, that you be magnified, and that all things would be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So after the benediction, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and just form a circle uh, around the room. And Silent Night is on the back of your bulletin. So would you please stand and hear this good word from God's word. This is the ironic benediction for you this night. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance upon you all and give you peace. And all God's people.